The way we consume and share news today it is larger rooted in social media outlets, a reason why it's crucial to look at what's being discussed online for our daily social media minute. We're joined by Erica. Good morning. Good morning. Happy Friday. Yes, happy Friday to you too. All right. So it turns out lots of <laughs> rare Mandarin duck flock are spotted in Seoul. They're not supposed to be here. I, I guess we can just give a blanket answer, say it's climate change and call it a day. But it's, I think, worth taking a closer look at why are they here? What do they look yep. like? Where do they come from? Well, what do they look like? They're, they're actually really pretty. They're exactly. these like um, plump ducks <laughs> uh, with really pretty patterns. And uh, um, 200 of them, roughly, have been spotted in the stream in eastern Seoul, uh, the Chungnangcheon stream in, uh, yeah, in Kumhodong, actually, in Songdonggu mm-hmm. district uh, on Wednesday. And the sighting, which is quite rare, especially a flock of this size, is really rare. So naturally, it's generated a lot of uh, buzz and excitement here. Do you think it would get this much publicity if they weren't so cute? I mean, they're really um, aesthetically <laughs> pleasing. <laughs> right. I mean, but if you think about it, uh, if you spotted a flock of 200 pigeons <laughs> oh. in one, you know, single area, I would be a little bit concerned, <laughs> not excited. Okay. But I'd be like, what's going on over there? All right. Erica, I think you're describing someone's worst nightmare, 200 <laughs> pigeons. Right. All right. Naturally, we'll try to answer questions about they don't belong here and why are they here and climate change and things like that. But specifically, where and when were the flock of Mandarin ducks spotted? Yes, according to the Songdonggu district office, uh, the birds were seen near the southern end of the Yongbigyo Bridge in Kumhodong. So it's pretty central. Mm. Now, uh, Professor Yunmugu, uh, he's a biology professor at Gyeonggi University, and he's actually quite well known here. He's known as Dr. Bird uh, <laughs> because of his research of local birds. Uh, and he was the one who reported the sightings to the Songdonggu district office. Now, the office chief uh, shared via X that the professor informed him that there have been occasional sightings Mm. of uh, maybe one or two Mm. Mandarin ducks here in Seoul, but never a flock of this size. And uh, it's not clear why uh, Uh. so many of these ducks decided to flock to the metropolitan area. (laughs) But according to the professor, um, you know, he just wanted to share with the rest of the country of this rare occasion because it is so rare to see so many in just one spot. It is really a sight to be seen. Again, the really plump and cute incredibly yeah. pretty so it turns out not so coincidentally mandarin ducks are a beloved symbol of love and fidelity in asia it's also a natural monument in korea i guess even our ancestors thought oh you look incredibly special let's let's attach more meaning you know uh there's a reason behind that meaning okay. you know uh first of all these ducks are mostly spotted in male female pairs mm. For centuries in Asia, Mandarin duck pairs were thought to stay together for life. However, it turns out that's not true because in reality, (laughs) the birds pair for the season and then move on to a new partner in autumn. Uh, But still here in Asia, the Mandarin ducks remain 
the the symbol of love, mm. uh, fidelity, and fertility as well. Mm. Now, as you mentioned, the Mandarin Duck is designated South Korea's natural monument. It is natural monument number three two seven, and uh, yeah, uh, a lot of people attach a lot of meanings to a lot of things, including animals. I think so too. I mean, if you think about why we add meanings to every flower, right? There are certain species of flowers that are more popular for weddings, and most yeah. of the symbolism is eternal love. Love or pure love, and yeah. I'm thinking, is that just fantastic marketing, or, or, I mean, because it's driven by demand, do we just really want to believe in the romantic aspects of life? It doesn't matter what biology and facts tells us. I would rather believe Mandarin ducks mate for life. You know what? Um, for for some, it's definitely really brilliant marketing. Uh, I'm thinking of diamonds, you know, oh. and meaning attached to diamonds, you know. But anyways, mm. um, I, I, we we mentioned that the sighting of a flock of these birds is very rare. Mm. Uh, outside of Asia, it's even more rare, mm. even more rare. Apparently, um, occasional sightings of Mandarin ducks in the wild have sparked headlines uh, in countries like the United States. Mm. Uh, for instance, back in 2021, I remember this. Uh, a U.S. media reported that a single Mandarin duck was spotted at a park in Kansas, and uh, at the time. There was a whole bunch of speculations as to why that bird was there. Uh, many, you know, speculated that it might have escaped from a zoo mm. or from the house of someone who had been keeping the bird, perhaps as an exotic pet. One Mandarin duck <laughs> waddled into town and everyone yes. thought, let's take pictures and get curious. All right. Mm. Uh, overall, though, across the world, I wonder how, uh, how uh, rare the Mandarin duck species are. You know, the Mandarin duck itself is not a particularly rare species. Mm. Uh, it's categorized by the International Union for Conservation of Nature as a least concerned species. And what that means is that uh, the Mandarin ducks are not so rare uh, to be evaluated as uh, an endangered species mm. or near threatened species. Mm. So in terms of numbers, it's estimated that around 60,000 to 65,000 of the birds um, live across the world, but most of them are native to East Asia. Okay, so in Kansas, it might as well be super rare. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's so funny. All right, let's move on to our second buzzword of the day. Korean cuisine making another splash, but this time for the first time at a UN cafeteria in Bangkok. Yeah. That's, That's right. Um, and that's what we're talking about it this okay. morning. Uh, so Korean cuisine uh, has been getting a lot of positive responses at the UN office cafeteria in Bangkok, Thailand. According to the Korean embassy in Thailand, this is the first time a permanent Korean food section has been set up in the cafeteria of a major international organization, including the UN headquarters in New York. All right. So how long has the UN cafeteria in Bangkok have been offering Korean food and an entire section? And yeah. what's on the menu? <laughs> so this uh, Korean section at the UN cafeteria in Bangkok has been operating since September of last year. Mm -hmm. And uh, the cafeteria at the UN Conference Center, UNCC, uh, has been offering Korean dishes like bibimbap, uh, kimbap, kimchi fried rice, and takangjong, which is a sweet crispy chicken. Uh, now, uh, the UNCC was first established uh, in Bangkok in 1993, and uh, it served as a conference venue 
for the Economic and Social Commission for Asia and the Pacific, uh, which is a regional body of the UN Economic and Social Council. So as you can imagine, given the nature of the UN, being located inside the UN building is a pretty great opportunity to showcase Korean food culture to delegations from countries really from all across the world. That's right. Uh, The UNCC hosts regional offices of a number of international organizations, including the UN Development Program, uh, the UN Environment Program, uh, and the Food and Agriculture Organization of the UN as well as the International Labor Organization. So approximately 2,000 employees work at these agencies, including roughly 50 Koreans. So, um, you know, this Korean food section, it offers a wide range of Korean dishes to, like you said, delegations from all around the world. Now, previously, uh, the UNCC cafeteria had offered Western food, vegetarian and halal sections, but never a Korean section until now. And uh, as many probably know, Thailand is considered a hub of the Korean wave Hallyu in Southeast Asia. Mm. And alongside the popularity of Korean pop music Mm. and K-dramas, Korean food has also been gaining a lot of uh, interest and popularity in recent years. All right. So it all lines up. Who gets to operate the Korean section at the UNCC? So it's uh, operated by a franchise business that specializes in Korean cuisine in Thailand. The name of the company is The Pibimbap. Uh, the company was founded in 2011 by a former employee of a major Korean corporation in Thailand. All right. Uh, I'm willing to bet money that 50 Koreans working at the agencies uh, Spot are probably happy. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Because when I'm abroad for a long, I, I think I do crave kimbap, pibimbap, Same here. kimchi fries. The simple, yep. the better. All yep. right. Let's move on to our final buzzword of the day. I really have to get to this because I can't decide if this is really clever or a little bit excessive. Now, Italian, one Italian province is ordering all dogs to be DNA tested in a poo crackdown. You know, that's one thing South Koreans are really good at. I've been talking about this with friends yesterday too over this uh, this news, but uh, Koreans are really good at picking up their dog poop. Yeah. You know, after they take them out for a walk. You know, it's really hard to see dog poop just like on the streets of Seoul City. And Seoul is a big city. Um, and we have a lot of pets nowadays, lots of dogs especially. So in Italy, well, uh, specifically in Bolzano, dog owners have to submit their uh, pets for DNA tests because the authorities in Bolzano are cracking down dog poop in its own streets. So what's going to happen is uh, swap test results are going to be inserted into uh, the local database, uh, which police can then refer to in their search for the culprits and their owners. And the evidence is, well, supposedly it's going to be used to find owners. Uh, they're going to be fined between 317 US dollars to 1,140. I feel like it is just a hunch. As soon as a DNA test results get filed, like archived, right? I, I feel like it would deter many, 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 many owner, owners from just leaving feces outside. Right. I know, right? Right. It costs money to get uh, the DNA tests done. Of course. Now, yeah. what does the law exactly require, Erica? 
Well, the law requires uh, the estimated 45,000 dogs in the province uh, to go through a DNA test at a vet clinic by the end of December 2023. So that timeline has already passed. Mm. Uh, the initiative is going to be introduced this month, actually. Mm. Uh, but out of the 45,000 dogs estimated, of course, uh, only 5,000 have, uh, you know, had their DNA tests done. Uh, and uh, as you can probably imagine, the measure has been really contentious, especially among the dog owners mm. who actually diligently clean up after their dogs, mm. who are now obliged to pay roughly $70 for the test. Okay, is that fair for who has already mm. been obliging to the standing laws? Basically, it's much, much easier said yeah. than done trying to get DNA tests for 45,000 dogs, even if it were free. That yep. sounds complicated. And it yeah. costs not just money, but could you imagine the municipality and for the police who get to survey this? They have other obligations you know the dna tests uh, they're going to be compulsory actually mandatory from the end of march of this year and uh, you know owners will have to pay some hefty fines uh, if they fail to register their pets dna's hmm. well, i have a hunch this is not a really good idea because if you can't get everybody on board how do you how do you and, ensure you have a good system it's just so much work for the police on top yeah. of everything they already have to do, you know, yeah. and people are asking some realistic questions like, um, you know, for every two, two tourists, there is a dog who pays for the test of those dogs mm. who are from, you know, other parts of Italy or even abroad. Right, know? right. Different parts of Europe. I mean, yeah. I, I saw so many dogs in Florence. I thought, how many of these dogs are local? How many are here with tourists? Because and I was there during a really touristy time of the year and. Yep. Yeah, who who's held responsible there? <laughs> I guess there must be a lot of dog poop in Bolzano for the authorities to come up with such measures, drastic measures, I have to say. Thank goodness I live in Seoul. Thank you so much, Erica. <laughs> have a great weekend. You too. If you're listening to our program using the podcast service, just a reminder that we do go live Monday through Friday, 7 a.m. Korea Standard Time. So tune in and help us make the show more informative by giving us your input. See you bright and early on Good Morning Seoul.